You are Locked On Clemson, your daily podcast on the Clemson Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Tiger Nation. Welcome to the Locked On Clemson Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, Monday through Friday, a daily glance into the Clemson Tigers, including the number one team in all of college football. Big day, big episode, as it's time to break down the Clemson-Virginia game coming up on Saturday night, 8 p.m. in Death Valley. It's going to be an ACC showdown as the Tigers look to improve to 2-0 in this 10-game ACC season and plenty to get to today. However, we've got news to get to first coming out of the Clemson program and including a top-notch freshman who has entered the transfer portal. Instant reaction to the Demarcus Bowman news coming up very shortly. Also today, we'll take a look at, we'll take a look at three players to watch for the Clemson Tigers in this game against Virginia. Who needs to step up? Who needs to break out? I'll tell you. Stick around for that. And then finally... We'll wrap things up with three keys to the game and a prediction. What's going to happen? How is the game going to play out between Virginia and Clemson? What does the Tigers have to do to make sure they don't fall into the old proverbial trap game with a top 10 showdown coming up next week against Miami? We'll discuss how important that's going to be for this game on Saturday. I'm your host, Brad Sinkoff. You can follow me on Twitter at Brad Sinkoff. That's with a W. I'm a deputy editor at allclemson.com, and I co-host the Press Box on 105.5 The Roar, the flagship station of the Clemson Tigers. I've been a member of the media covering college football for nearly 15 years, and I've been covering the Clemson Tigers since the college football playoff run began back in 2015. I've seen a lot of winning. I expect that to continue on Saturday night. Let's jump right into the big news of the week, and Marcus Bowman, the five-star freshman, part of the 2020 star-studded recruiting class, decided to enter the transfer portal. He confirmed that on Thursday afternoon via social media, and this is a big deal. This is a very talented, explosive, uh, balanced kind of running back that was really going to be potentially, and and I, I say potentially when I mean almost very likely, the heir apparent to Travis Etienne, and this was going to be kind of the next phase, the next step. Now, Obviously, there's some other running backs who are classes ahead of Demarcus Bowman, but he was going to be the next big guy, the next big name at some point in his career. I don't think there's any question about that. His talent level off the charts, he was ranked fourth in Clemson's recruiting class for 2020 behind Brian Brzee, Miles Murphy, and DJ Uyangole. Talent off the charts for Demarcus Bowman. Very highly regarded. Everybody wanted him. He looked like the perfect fit for Clemson. He was called the next C.J. Spiller because of his explosiveness and how he could factor into special teams in the return game. There was so much to like. Dabo Sweeney was very high on him. Uh, Once they got him on campus and they started going through the fall camp, uh, thought he was as fast as advertised. That's exactly how Tony Elliott described him as advertised. Uh, Dabo Sweeney said he was bigger and thicker than he was expecting him to be. He put a lot of work in in the offseason on his body, came to Clemson in the summer as he was not an early enrollee, but he looked ready to play, and he did get early playing time. In the first two games this season, Bowman carried the Rock nine times for 32 yards, saw at least some glimpses of that explosiveness 
especially against Wake Forest. He had a couple opportunities, just didn't quite make the big play, but it was there, and he had a, and he looked the part of a guy who eventually was going to figure it out very, very soon and become that explosive player that we've heard so much about. Another way to put it in perspective, just how talented DeMarcus Bowman is, 24-7 Sports did a ranking of the top-rated players who've entered the transfer portal since it was created back in 2018. He ranked ninth on the list. Guys ahead of him like Justin Fields and Brew McCoy and JT Daniels, uh, that's just a few of the names, but that's that's a pretty illustrious group and a lot of really highly ranked players just ahead of him. According to TigerNet.com, DeMarcus Bowman leaving Clemson for some family reasons. He was quickly pulled off of the ClemsonTigers.com website on the roster. This was something that happened abruptly, and Clemson has moved on uh, from DeMarcus Bowman. So it sounds like there's very little chance he changes his mind. Where does DeMarcus Bowman end up? Well, a lot of people think it's going to be Florida, and that makes the most sense. He's from Lakeland, Florida. That's kind of Gator country, if you will, and that's a team that he was very interested in before he committed and signed with Clemson. It would make a lot of sense if he wants to go home and be closer to family and his grandpa that uh, that's where he'll end up. And I would be surprised, honestly, if he doesn't play for Dan Mullen in his collegiate career. What does this mean for Clemson? In the short term, not really a whole lot. Now, the Tigers are loaded in that running back room. I talked about this earlier last week. This is a There's almost just too many guys in that running back room. We're going to talk about one of those backs specifically in the three players to watch in the Virginia game. But right now, they're trying to get so many guys' touches, and they're trying to develop a few players. Kobe Pace is the only other running back in the 2020 class that came in with Bowman. He's looked pretty solid so far, and I would expect him to get some more carries. He, I, I was impressed by what he did against Wake Forest. I thought that he needed more carries against the Citadel. I think he only had two in that game. So that's a guy that they'll probably hasten – Maybe maybe speed up the process a little bit on his development, and you see him a little bit more this season. Currently, right now, Travis Etienne is obviously the number one guy and will be throughout this season as long as he remains healthy and on the field. Behind him, Lynn J. Dixon, Darian Rencher, then there's Ches Malusi and Mikey Dukes, and then there's Kobe Pay. So Bowman was pretty far down the depth chart, but he only played two games. So I don't I don't know that depth chart. Uh, is a reason that he would enter the transfer portal right here, you know, two games into the season, heading into the third game for the Tigers. There's probably a lot more to this story that we really don't know, really don't understand yet, and then maybe one day we'll find out more. But I think there's a lot of moving parts with this situation. That said, long-term, how much does it affect the Tigers? Like I said earlier, he was going to be the bell cow at some point. Now, bell cow at Clemson, Still doesn't equal 20, 25, 30 carries. That's that's Chuba Hubbard, okay? That's not what Clemson runs. Even Travis Etienne doesn't get those kind of touches. However, I do think long-term, uh, there's going to be there's a little bit of a lapse here. When you have a five-star talent come to your team, you expect to keep him for three seasons. You don't anticipate a guy of that caliber leaving anytime soon. So it does leave a hole. Coming in next year is Will Shipley. An all-purpose back, one of the best running backs in college or in high school football right now, and he's an all-purpose guy. He's a Christian McCaffrey-like player. It's how he's been described. He's versatile. You can see him in the slot. You can see him run between the tackles. He can do a lot of different things. 
does he fit in as sort of the guy? Maybe, maybe at some point in his career he becomes a number one back in terms of that. But I, I just think there's so much versatility with him, it's hard to pencil him in and say he deserves 15, 20 carries when you want to get him the ball in a lot of different ways. And then uh, that they're going to continue to recruit. Phil Moffa is going to come in in this class for 2021 as well. Uh, four-star running back down there in Grayson High School in Georgia. I would expect him to get uh, pushed a little bit next year. But with Travis Etienne gone, if Lynn J. Dixon's still around, uh, he may be the, the number one back, but certainly Bowman was going to compete for that position going into 2021. I'm going to give you three players to watch in this game against Virginia. One of those I just mentioned. And now with the departure of Demarcus Bowman, maybe it's even more important that you see something out of this player on Saturday. You don't expect Clemson to hit a wall going into their third game of the season, but maybe you're hitting the wall whether it's your workout, whether it's a work meeting, a long day, you need a little something extra to help you get through the day. Check out Built Go, a healthy replacement for your energy drink. But the energy is not fake. It's lasting, it's natural, and it's easy to take in the 1.5-ounce packages. Put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever, your golf bag to power through that back nine, or put it in your pocket just to get you through a long day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's five-hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for your body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and a whole lot better results. Three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate milk. Visit BuiltGo.com. Use promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 30% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. I've got my eye on three very important Tigers on Saturday night, 8 p.m. versus Virginia inside Memorial Stadium. And one of them is Lynn J. Dixon, the backup running back to Travis Etienne. We didn't see Lynn J. Dixon on the field in week one against Wake Forest. He dressed out, he traveled the team, but he just didn't get in there as he was dealing with a little bit of an injury and they just didn't want to take any um, unnecessary risk with him, kind of let him heal up. Well, then he only got a couple of carries against the Citadel, and he went right back to the sideline. Dabos, when he said this is the healthiest his team has been all season, and it feels like Lynn J. Dixon's among the group of guys who have worked their way back to feeling pretty healthy, it feels like it's time for Lynn J. Dixon to take that next step in 2020. It feels like he needs to be on the field. Travis Etienne is going to get rest. And we saw so much of, of the rotation last year where Lin was always the first guy off the bench. And, you know, he would get his share. Going into his third year, trying to get healthy, trying to get back on the field, I get it. But he had three carries all season long. So that's got to go up. And really, I want to see the next step. I want to see the evolution of Lin Dixon as well. This is a young man who has filled it admirably for Travis Etienne when he's come in. But there's been some unevenness in his game. He's had... Some excellent runs. He's he's shown flashes of being a number one back. I don't think he's shown the consistency of being a number one back. He's got to get better at pass protection. He needs to see his holes better. Sometimes he dances a little bit too much, wants to get to the outside a little too often instead of taking what's there and getting the tough yards. That's something Travis Etienne certainly had to learn as well. Uh, He's just built differently and is so explosive. He's made up for some of that when he hasn't done it. But I think Linjay's very talented. It's just time for this point of the season to turn him loose a little bit. If he's physically ready to go, and that's the case, I think he needs it. I think we need to see how he's improved his game and where he's at right now.
Up next, where is Braden Galloway? This was a young man who was a big part of the game plan versus Wake Forest, had 60 receiving yards in on five catches. But against the Citadel, it was a goose egg. He wasn't involved at all. And a lot of that was game plan, and they didn't need him to go out and put on a show. And, and honestly, they probably didn't need to showcase him and put more on film of what he's doing in the middle of the field and down the seam uh, for other teams to scout against. So I get it, but he is such a tough matchup. He's such a big, strong tight end. He looks like the kind of tight end the Clemson's been missing. Obviously, he missed almost all of last season with the Austrian suspension, only played in the final two games. But this is a game you got to think. Trevor Lawrence might say, hey, look, Braden, I know you didn't get involved in the last outing against the Citadel. I'm going to throw you a couple early passes, get you into the offense, get you into the flow, get the defense starting to focus on him. They've got some pretty good linebackers there at Virginia. Maybe get them out of position a little bit, thinking about where Braden Galloway is. It might open up other things down the field. It would make a lot of sense to me if that's the case. And, I, and I'm and i going to keep an eye on Braden Galloway early because I, I want to see if Trevor Lawrence looks his way and targets him and what Galloway does once he gets the ball. And that could really maybe not be a good thing in terms of showing Miami a little bit more. But at the same time, I could argue why not put a little bit more on film with Braden Galloway. It can set some things up for you in other areas. And finally, the last player I'm going to keep an eye on, Jordan Williams, the defensive tackle, a fourth-year junior, has played very well this season. And I talked to Brink Venables about him earlier this week, and, and Venables very pleased with what he's, he has seen out of Jordan. He said he's made great improvement in his game. He's given a lot of effort. He's showing up. He's playing hard. He's playing well. He had five tackles against the Citadel, and I know it was the Citadel, and, and that's the game that you're supposed to rack up some numbers like that. But this is a guy who has really filled in and kind of been a glue guy on that defensive front with Tyler Davis out. Tyler Davis expected to come back against Virginia, but as Brent Venables said, that doesn't mean he's going to be just thrust right in and be a starter or play a ton of snaps. They may work him in slowly, and it may be a case where he's just not 100% or trust his knee to the point where they're going to ask him to play 50 snaps in this game. So there's a good chance that the rotation continues, and Jordan Williams has certainly worked his way into that rotation and will be a player for the Tigers moving forward. And this is a game where I think we're going to talk about it in the uh, to wrap things up when we get to the keys of the game. But this is an area where Clemson needs to play extremely well up front, creating some havoc, but most importantly, doing what they do best, and that's stopping the run game. And that's where I think Jordan Williams can excel in this game. And I, I just want to see if he continues this, this line of improvement. This is a young man who really hasn't quite lived up to some of the things the coaches have said about him, some of the recruiting rankings and all that kind of stuff. He sort of just hasn't quite developed to the level that I think a lot of people expected him to do. And I think he's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle when Tyler Davis came in as a true freshman and blew everybody away. Niles Pinckney is going to play up front. He's a veteran. They'll work in Brian Brzee. But watch Jordan Williams in this game. If, if he is going to continue to play at the level that he started out this season, it's going to really help this defensive front and the amount of players and the rotation that Brent Venables can continue to use throughout the season to keep guys healthy, engaged, and get a ton of experience. Coming up next, keys to the game. What does Clemson have to do to make sure they don't fall into a trap, don't fall into an upset, don't fall into just a fourth-quarter game? I'll let you know what they've got to do in this one, and I'll give you a prediction of how this thing's going to play out. It feels like there's some folks out there that think maybe this could be 
a close game. Maybe this could be a, a true test for Clemson. And, and while I think Clemson needs a test, and I talked about that earlier in the week, I'm not so sure as a 28-point 20 point underdog, this is a game the Tigers lose. Now, that being said, probably didn't think that Pitt was going to be Clemson in 2016 or Syracuse in 2017. And I don't think it has quite that feel to it. But I do, I'll tell you what I do think it might kind of feel like. The NC State game in 2016. Remember when Clemson came out, didn't have any energy. It was an early game. Ryan Finley and the Wolfpack moved the ball down the field on them. They got a pick six and turned into a touchdown. And really, NC State had control of that game for much of it. This could be similar to that. So what does Clemson have to do to make sure they don't go into the fourth quarter with a close contest against a fundamentally sound and well-coached Cavaliers team. First off, Clemson really needs to get off to a fast start. You know, we, we've seen them in the past times when the offense sputtered a little bit early in the game or wasn't quite sure what they wanted to do, uh, maybe wanted to fill out the defense a little bit. That's something that's a kind of a calling card for Tony Elliott. He likes to run some different things just to get some looks to see what the opponent is is doing and reacting to what he's calling. But at the same time, you want to go down and score. You want to get early points. And you, you've heard that for a couple years. Clemson wants to score with an extra week to prepare. You want to keep that momentum going that you built in the first two games. Let Trevor Lawrence throw the ball downfield a little bit. Let Travis Etienne uh, get him on the outside. Let him try to bust a run or two. Call some plays you haven't run yet this year. I know it's been pretty vanilla for the Tigers thus far this season. Maybe open it up a little bit, at least on the first drive or two, just to sort of set the tone. And don't let Virginia think they can hang around in this game because it's not going to be 80,000-plus at Memorial Stadium. It's not going to be the environment that you're used to seeing in a typical Clemson night game. And I've been to some of the most incredible environments in all college football at Clemson night games. That's not going to be the case. So This team has to bring its own energy. They have to make sure they're focused and prepared. And they need to get off to a really good start in this one. Number two, evolve the passing game. I talked about Braden Galloway earlier. And that's a, that's a guy who I think is going to get some looks, get some targets. How about Frank Ladson? He came on in the Citadel game, caught two touchdowns. Amari Rogers got involved again. He's the leading receiver on the team right now. But let's see what the next step is for this passing game. Can Frank Ladson continue? Can he take what he did against the Citadel and against a little bit better defense? Can he bring it? Can he continue to be the downfield guy? Is that who he's developing into? He took advantage of Joseph Ngata's injury the ab strain that he suffered that kept him out of most of this game. Does Ladson seize that opportunity and become the go-to target down the field? I don't know if you're going to answer that against Virginia, but I'd like to see if he continues to build it and show some consistency. And then what else does Clemson do in this game? You know, we've seen Trevor Lawrence pick the Wake Forest defense apart. We saw him do whatever he wanted to the Citadel. He threw three touchdown passes, ran in another. But what else can they do in the passing game? What have we not seen yet? Who have we not seen yet? There's still a lot of receivers on this team. E.J. Williams is a guy who feels like he's working his way up the depth chart a little bit, but there's guys like Cornell Powell who have been there for years blocking a guy like that. So I'm curious to see what the rotations are at receiver and then what is Clemson going to run? How involved do they get the tight ends like they did against Wake Forest? And then who's going to be the downfield guy? Is it Frank Ladson again? The third key to a Clemson victory is getting to Brennan Armstrong. Look, people are not running the football on Clemson. The last time this team gave up 200 yards rushing was to Alabama in the 2016 National Championship, which they won. So I don't think Virginia and Wayne Talapapa is going to go out there and start running the ball right down Clemson's throat. 
Not expecting that at all. So what Clemson does is they force you into a lot of third and longs unless your short passing game is on or you're able to beat them down the field. Well, they get in third and longs, Brent Venable is going to bring all kinds of pressure, various blitzes, and they've got that defensive front with guys like Miles Murphy and K.J. Henry to come off the edge and get after the quarterback. I think it's going to be extremely important that Clemson doesn't give up any easy cheap yards the first two downs. Get in those third down situations and get after Brennan. The more pressure they can get on him, as fundamentally sound as Virginia is, I think they can force a young quarterback making his first start on the road into some into some trouble. Throw a couple picks, hurt his confidence a little bit, get him on the ground, sack him three or four times early in this game, and I, I'm telling you, Clemson could easily walk away with this one in a route if they're able to get a lot of pressure on him and keep Virginia's offense from gaining momentum in this game. How is this one going to go? I think Clemson's going to win fairly comfortably. 41-20 to 20 is my prediction. That's under the four-touchdown spread. 28 points is an awful lot of points. I think Virginia's going to get some points in this one. Now, it may come late in the game. I could see Clemson being up, you know, 38-10 to or 38-17, to something like that, and maybe Virginia gets a late score or two uh, to make the score look a little bit better on their end. But ultimately, I think Clemson plays well early on. I think they get a a lead, and as long as they just come out with enough energy, they're going to walk away with this one feeling pretty good about themselves. The question is, do you get to see the starters play a little bit longer? I think you do in this game. I think they're going to be tested enough where we see them maybe through the third quarter and into the fourth. That wraps up this Friday preview episode. I want to thank you for joining me, Brad Sink, the host of Locked On Clemson Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure you hit the download button, the subscribe button, tell your friends about me, at Brad Sink on Twitter, that's with a W, and you can follow the Locked On Clemson Podcast at Clemson Locked On. I'll be back next week to break everything down that happens in this Clemson-Virginia matchup, 8 p.m. tomorrow night. Enjoy the game. Have a great weekend. Take care, Tiger Nation.